Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Own the Moment podcast. We're here today to talk NFL all day. It's a super exciting week in uh, the NFL all day streets and just an exciting time for NFL fans. The offseason is really kicking into gear next week with the draft. And so in order to get us hyped for the historical drop and in order to, you know, start to talk about how we prepare for next season, we wanted to join you guys today. I'm here with uh, Jay and Ryan and uh, Jay, long offseason. I know you're a big college basketball fan, so maybe uh, maybe kind of the, the start of the offseason for you. But uh, how are you doing now that uh, now the grind's over? It's good. I, I just got back from a, a nice little 10 days overseas, uh, which I, I try to do every like spring break. Uh, still teaching, but kind of coincides with the end of the college basketball season. So, um, you know, ready, ready to get it back after it. And um, the, the draft is is always, uh, you know, especially with this offseason, uh, it's just kind of like, uh, you know, another round to, to uh, of excitement this offseason. Yeah, Ryan, I know you've been uh, already super focused on the upcoming NFL season. Uh, for those who don't know Ryan, uh, I don't know what you're doing. You got to be following Ryan, uh, an amazing NFL expert, uh, writes for ETR, uh, established the run, and lucky enough to have him uh, evaluating, helping to provide some analytics for uh, the owners club as well. Ryan, what's going on? What's uh, what's your focus right now? It's uh, it's almost award season time, right? That it is. That it is. Uh, I'll I'll put it. I'll give it the broader connotation of a NFL speculation season. We get to start making bets. We still have to wait for them to cash out. But right now, I'm looking for value plans. I'm looking to see where a few rookies land. Looking for the schedule release in a couple of weeks. That's where my head's at. Yeah, I saw you uh, already had an article uh, out earlier this week about uh, off-season win totals. Never too early to start thinking about things like win totals, even though we're. Uh, not even past the draft yet. We don't even know who's going to be where. So, uh, yeah, awesome. Well, just, you know, today we got uh, a little bit of talk about uh, about the uh, NFL all-day drop tomorrow. We'll spend some time on that and then talk about Ryan's article on off-season movers. And uh, lastly, talk a little bit about the draft. But before we do all that, just want to make sure that, you know, all of our listeners are up to speed on the uh, – the updates provided yesterday from TJ and Justin and, and the owners club. And so I uh, just wanted to uh, pop that up here really quickly and we can show um, we can show the, the team uh, the roadmap for, for this upcoming TOC season. So we've got, uh, we've got the TOC roadmap here. Um, you know, uh, pretty exciting announcement for us here at own the moment yesterday, really just an awesome uh, body of work that started uh, kind of as soon as season one ended and will continue all the way through the year. But uh, just to quickly hit the highlights, we've got our, our TOC one of one first edition NFTs. Uh, those will go live next week, starting with the NFL draft. Um, there's a, Those will be up on the website next week. More details uh, on the, the slide here. Uh, Summer of best ball starts in July. Uh, we're going to take the... Oh, take the playoff best ball that we did and uh, expand it to full season best ball, same general structure, $10 packs, unlimited fun. Uh, and then TOC season two kicking off in September. So, you know, really exciting. Uh, we'll have some stuff in the interim, including an, an NFL draft contest, which we'll touch on a little bit later, but uh, you know, we're going to have a full off season of, uh, of TOC stuff starting with best ball in July. Uh, 
Jay, as you're kind of thinking about, I know you were a big uh, TOC player last year. Uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that you continue get to continue to be. I'm uh, jealous that, that I could because I wasn't able to be. But uh, what are you most excited about here? Yeah, I, I really like the best ball. Um, just as someone that's kind of been more of a season-long player and a, a traditional cash player in DFS, um, you know, those best ball packs, you, you have no choice but to, to think like uh, GPP. And um, for example, I, I, last year I, I, I cashed pretty, pretty well in the playoffs and I had a Cincinnati and, and Ram stack and I was actually lower than market on both teams, um, you know, sports betting wise, given my numbers, given to the marketplace. But I opened up a pack that had both of them and, and a little bit of cheese exposure and and uh, built a stack and, 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 you know, was fortunate enough to, to hit on that. So um, I, I really like the game theory of it and, and kind of helps me learn more about the, the GPP angles and uh, the tournament play. Yeah. I, I, the, the best ball is so much. Ryan, did you, uh, you play any best ball for the playoffs last year? Oh, I did. I did. Uh, Gabriel Davis made me a good amount of money. Uh, I was, I was, I faded Tampa, which I put in a article that I put up for you guys. Yeah. Uh, I faded Tampa outright pretty much. So I was high on the Rams and I had, I did pretty good work and I'm also looking forward to the, to the best ball format coming to TOC this year too. Yeah, I think we got uh, we had a lot of fun with it. I think the 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 really you know dynamic aspect of hey, you have virtually no control over what you're going to start with, but you have a ton of control over where you go from there and how you think about the game theory. Uh, I think we have to say it every podcast, so check it off the list for this one. But love to think about the the angles and. You know, given what I start with, how do I build the, the optimal team? So super excited about the uh, the best ball upcoming this season and just really going to be uh, a, a fun way to get ramped up for uh, TFC season two, which will kick off in September. Uh, a little bit different this year, mostly just in the price point. Uh, we're, we're cutting the price point in half, as TJ said yesterday on the pod does not mean the prize pools will be cut in half. We're hoping to grow the prize pools. We're figuring out all the supply dynamics right now. So if you have more questions, definitely check out uh, TJ and Justin went in depth on this last night. Also talked about the OTM site revamp. So lots and lots of exciting stuff. Uh, OTM true value model for, uh, for, M- uh, for top shot, uh, NBA all day for NBA top shot. So lots of exciting stuff going on uh, right now uh, in, in the TOC world. Uh, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. Today, we are here to talk about the NFL. And so, you know, we've got the historical drop coming up tomorrow. I'm just going to pop the details of the drop up under the screen and would love to hear you guys. Uh, well, I'll just, I'll say them while we put it up. So the, the drops tomorrow, 2 PM Eastern. Um, and so we've got uh, $84 per pack for moments, uh, all historical moments. And we've got the, uh, the list of historical moments, or at least like the advertised list of historical moments here. Uh, these are not the, this is not the exhaustive list. We will show you how to see the exhaustive list on the OTM site in a minute. But as you guys think about the Favre drop as they're advertising it, uh, what are you most excited about for this drop tomorrow? What are you kind of tr- hoping to get if you're going to participate? What uh, what players are uh, stand out to you as you know, they're going to be really valuable or they might be undervalued at first or, you know, what, what's your focus for the drop? 
Um, I mean, obviously, personally, anything to do with Brett Favre is, is going to be top of the list. Um, I, I thought some other interesting ones were the Steve McNair, um, you know, co-MVP, obviously no longer with us, but he's a big player for the not only the Titans franchise, but also the tail end of his career with the Ravens. Uh, I thought Derek Brooks was also an interesting one, one of the more underrated players, I feel like, obviously on the defensive center, uh, side of the ball. Um, yeah, it, but there's also Michael Vick is in that highlight, at least the one that I looked at. I'm assuming that's the same one. Uh, and then Reggie White, obviously a historical uh, career with not only the Packers, but uh, also the Eagles. I'm a bit of a sicko, so I prefer defense to offense. I'm just, you know, that's just the way it is. I like run fits more than deep passes. You know, say what you will about me. So you're, I, you're an old school football guy. Yeah, I am. I am. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm a headbutt the guy in the teeth kind of dude. But uh, <laughs> I'm also in for the Minister of Defense, Reggie White. I think that's a good selection. Uh, I have a very good buddy of mine who's also a defense first sicko who I'll be, I'll be looking to see if I can get him a Brian Urlacher present since he's a big Bears fan. And again. As uh, Jay said, Brett Favre in general is, you know, a headlining worthy player. But this, I remember this game from years and years ago. I think it's a real good way to start this off. And one of the things I like about the potential for all day products to be better than traditional collectibles is on display here, where he's going to be narrating some of the moments in this game. That's, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, it's going to be an awesome moment to get to just watch on the platform. Uh, certainly. Uh, one that if you were able to get your hands on it, uh, you're going to be really excited. Um, definitely going to be rare, but also just a really cool, uh, just a really cool moment. Um, I, you know, I got to give some love to Chris Carter uh, being a Buckeye. I wore my my Bengals jersey, you know, given that it, the NFL draft is uh, is upcoming, and goodness knows we need some offensive line help, some more of those big boys up front. But I, I almost wore my Ohio State jersey because of Chris Carter. Um, lots of, I mean, legends that you saw. I know Fenny in the chat show talking about uh, targeting a specific moment because of the play with Marvin Harrison. So, um, you know, really exciting uh, in terms of just the overall players that we're going to have. And it, when you look at the full list, uh, it's, you know, this, the, the preview that they put on the site is obviously kind of the starting point, the, uh, the, the most legendary players within the, uh, within the list, but if you are interested in seeing the full list, including the um, including the uh, the circulation counts, you can go onto the OTM site, use the filters. Uh, they've got the the different sets, the different historical sets, and you can see based on the filters the all of the different uh, circulation counts in the moments. But you know, lots of uh, of kind of big name players that weren't on that list. I'm on green. Uh, Dre Bly, for those of us who uh, who appreciate some some old school and Johnny Morton, I guess some some real old school lions. Um, so you know Lance Briggs, uh, some some defensive love for you there, Ryan. So lots of uh, lots of awesome players in this uh, in this drop. Uh, Byron Leftwich, I mean, you know, I don't know how he made it, but but here he is. So uh, excited to have him. So lots of awesome players in this uh, as we look through kind of the the bigger list and he personal favorites for you guys or other other players that you're uh, particularly uh, interested in? Ricky Williams is here. I mean, got to love Ricky. Yeah, I, I think everyone's going to have like that kind of that left witch, right? Like kind of coming out of left field type person. Uh, but the biggest thing for me is I actually saw they added to their blog post, I think it was last night, that 
they're they're having a challenge come soon uh, and also a, a historical challenge will be used. So just sh- kind of shortening that that curve that it seems like Top Shot had where, OK, finding utility and the challenges and whatnot. Uh, and I think they're going to do a little. Obviously, we're always speculating here, um, but they're, they're going to see how the, the challenges work with these moments and, and the moments that have already been released. And and just kind of like how, um, you know, OTM did probably go under the hood for the summer and then, you know, come September, have that ready to go, hopefully uh, week to week. I think I heard you mention Lance Briggs, right? I'm gonna have to I'm have to pair him with the Erlacher gift. That's for sure. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You're gonna have to get a, a Lance Briggs. He's here, um, relatively rare, only a thousand. Uh, so probably my guess is that'll probably be in like that rare tier. I don't think I saw him in the 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 larger circulation count. So yeah, you'll have to figure out how to get your hands on both. I mean, Sean Alexander, like certainly a lot of the uh, the most uh, historic players. Uh, in in the game, and you can see as you click in the moments that we have, which you know the the new revamped uh, OTM site is just awesome that way. Uh, we've got Steve McNair here rushing for the touchdown, so uh, going to be really exciting to see um, to see you know where all these moments come out. And Jay, to your point, the the utility is obviously key, and uh, certainly utility in terms of. Uh, Top Shot drove a ton of engagement uh, as well as value for collectors early on. And I think that engagement piece is really exciting. So uh, super pumped for, you know, what the challenges look like, uh, hoping to get a pack tomorrow. Uh, Certainly, I think going to be in high demand, especially at that $84 price point with these, these named players. So pretty exciting stuff. Any final thoughts from you guys on uh, on the packs tomorrow? Nothing with the There's a lot of lions in here, man. <laughs> um, That's what I'm I, noticing. I, I did notice too that the, the marketplace credit. I think it's if you spend fifty, you get twenty five back, and you get entered into that sweepstakes, which I think is a you know anytime you're seeing something like that is is you know always a good sign. Yeah, who's your favorite historical lion, Ryan Reynolds? I mean, it probably has to be Barry Sanders. You can't say Calvin Johnson. I can't say Barry Sanders. I I can't use the layups. Okay. I'm going to go with Chris Spielman then. Oh, yeah. You're just playing to me. (laughs) Why Spielman? He was just rock solid. Um, I tend to to be more of a front seven guy. I mean, I like everyone on defense for the most part, but hard-nosed guy. He probably wouldn't be fast enough to really – then again, he could be in like the Blake Martinez mold today. So he could probably still hang today, but just rock solid linebacker, uh, just my kind of guy. I love that. Yeah, we'll have to uh, we'll have to to do some analysis later on what team is most represented. It looks like we got a lot of Bears here too. Obviously, we talked about Erlocker and Briggs, so lots of defensive Bears here. Charles Tillman as well. I guess those defenses were pretty good back in the day. So. Yeah, I mean, I do think that's one of the interesting things about uh, about NFL all day is the way that they are able to highlight the defensive players in a in a pretty material way, which like is not a dynamic you have in NBA because you know you've got five guys on the court and any one of them will throw down a massive dunk even if they're primarily a defensive player. But it's an interesting dynamic, and I think we'll be really curious uh, how they make the challenges happen, trying to integrate the different players when you've got, you know, defensive players as a part of it. 
All right. So, uh, you know, enough about this upcoming drop. Uh, we've got some other uh, off-season stuff to talk about, and in particular, Ryan, I know uh, the article that you wrote. Uh, which, again, if you're not reading Ryan's articles on the, the on the Moment site, you're missing out. Um, but if you uh, all you need is an account to log in and be able to see it, but I'll just toss it up on the screen. But Ryan, if you could just give us a little bit of an intro on uh, this article you wrote and kind of what your uh, what your goal was there. Um, and you know where what your your key takeaways were. Sure, um, I've used sport traditional sports cards as a method of investing in athletes for well over ten years now. So I'm very excited about all of the options in this new NFT space regarding football, particularly. Um, and one of the things that you know our OTM tools are very valuable in this. This is the first year of a brand new market, essentially. So we don't know what's going to impact players value in the short term or the long term yet. Cause it hasn't happened yet. We can, you know, I have experience in the traditional sports card market where I have an idea of where, you know, where certain things can rise or fall. And one of those areas is when someone moves or someone's players, well, someone's situation changes. So I wanted to highlight some of the more notable uh, trades, both from an, uh, from an aspect of, you know, say like Russell Wilson goes to Denver. How does that impact him? Um, we have C.D. Lamb. They, the Cowboys lose Amari Cooper. Michael Gallup's going to be out for the first half of the season. Is, does that create a window for him to have expanded opportunities? And another one that I didn't mention in the article is D.K. Metcalf loses Russell Wilson. He's a young receiver. He's a matchup nightmare. That's one of the reasons he's been circulating in trade r- rumors for a while now. But, uh, you know, he's now going to be part of a rebuilding Seahawks team. So what's going to happen in his value from here? is one of the things that that's where that's where my head's going with that kind of article. Yeah. And, you know, certainly can recall last season, especially uh, a ton of trade deadline speculation ahead of the NBA trade deadline, trying to buy players who we thought were going to go to better situations, whether better was, Hey, you're moving to a playoff team or whether better was, Hey, you're moving to a much more high usage role where you're going to be featured and thinking about the players who were left behind in those from those teams after trades were made. And I spent, uh, spent quite a bit of time uh, talking with Justin, talking on the podcast about, uh, about potential trade players. I think I have so had so much buddy healed uh, expecting that he was going to get traded to a contender and then didn't. So that was a miss, but uh, I think it's, it's super fun to speculate on, on how that happened. And we definitely saw those moments change in value from when players got traded and when players opened up opportunities. So thinking about how this offseason player value changes are going to impact the NFL all-day market, I think is critical to anyone who's trying to make you know smart long-term uh, decisions on individual players. Uh, you mentioned DK Metcalf. You know, uh, what's your speculation? You think he's going to stay or you think he's going to get traded? Um, it seems like they're leaning towards trying to build around him in a sense. So it wouldn't surprise me if he stayed. And in the short term, I don't necessarily think Drew Locke's a disaster for him. I think he hurts Lockett more. But long term, I mean, over the next two, three years, is Seattle going to be even sniffing the playoffs? My my lean towards that is no, especially this year. Yeah. yeah. And, and my biggest takeaway from, from Ryan's article, uh, at least uh, that I had the strongest feel on, was – it's definitely the Russell Wilson effect. Uh, just personally, I, I think he could have a, another strong four or five years. Obviously, if the health 
is with him. And, and another thing that, that Ryan mentioned was just a, it's a huge boost to all of the Broncos skill positions. So, um, you know, Ryan's coming at uh, NFL all day from his card market and, and sports betting background. Whereas let's think about the average, you know, person that's entering this, they're probably coming from a more fantasy background. And I think Javante Williams is going to make the biggest, a really big jump this year in fantasy as long as they don't maybe bring back Melvin Gordon or, or go in the draft with another running back, which kind of wouldn't make sense after drafting one in the second round last year. So um, you can also take a bet on, on Judy, Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton to see maybe who is going to mesh with Wilson better. Um, uh, another aspect too is, is um, you know, Russell Wilson, a uh, thing that uh, Brian mentioned was Russell Wilson's last game was a Seahawk. And the, the phrase that Dapper always uses is the future of fandom you know, and fanhood or fandom. And, you know, I, it's a week 18 game where they beat the Cardinals, right? So for the Seahawks that year, it didn't really mean anything, but like a true diehard Seahawk fan in five, 10 years, let's say when, when Russell retires or is going towards the hall of fame, you know, if you have his last game as a Seahawk, especially if it's a legendary moment, um, there might be some reward for that because that, that truly is a diehard Seahawk fan, especially since they are probably going to uh, be facing some down years here. Uh, in, in the in the short term, yeah, certainly. Uh, if you're a Seahawk fan, you're going to be pretty nostalgic about uh, about Russ, and it's it's really tough to imagine a career trajectory where he, uh, well, it's it's likely he makes the Hall of Fame. I would say, Ryan, Jay, you guys agree with that take? Unless he absolutely bottoms out in Denver, yeah, I, I think he's in a real good position. Yeah, same. Yeah, and I think it's it's. It's hard to imagine a world where he's going into the Hall of Fame not as a Seahawk. I mean, it would take a pretty unbelievable uh, few years uh, for that to be the case. So, yeah, I mean, that definitely the last Russ uh, that was not expected by most people, you know, at the end of the season. And, you know, we certainly saw some movement in that value at that moment already. Um, but ways to invest in the future. Um, you know, one uh, one thing that we didn't really talk about much in the article, Ryan, but I think is, is clearly uh, top of mind now is uh, Tyree Kill. And, you know, we mentioned the Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster, um, you know, kind of value without him having a moment. But, you know, what are your thoughts on, on Tyree Kill? What are your thoughts on just the Dolphins in general? Yeah, Miami's interesting because... Tua was good in college, and one of the things that has, has been different in the pros than what he did in college is he was actually a good deep ball thrower in college. So while the Tyreek Hill acquisition is huge for him, then bringing in Terran Armstead, who's like a top, you know, top-notch tackle, solidifies their offensive line and I think gives them more options offensively to take advantage of their two their two. I would say Waddle and Hill might be the two toughest covers in the league. You know, because speed's wow. one of the things you can't teach. You can't, you know, if someone's faster than you, what are you going to do? They, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to create separation from you given time. And on top of that, Mike McDaniel's, he's he's a bit, we'll, we'll go with the word quirky, you know, where I don't think he's a groupthink guy at all. I don't think he's necessarily like, you know, pigeonholed and this is what I want to do with my offense. I think he makes you want to defend everything. So I don't think he's going to be as run heavy as people think, unless he has to be, because of Tua. So I think this is a very interesting. If Tua, if Tua is an NFL quarterback, he's been given the the raw materials to do a lot this year. Jay, what are you you buying Miami? You selling Miami? Uh, I'm buying what Miami did. I, I think it's a it's a good idea to say, hey, this time next year they're going to know if Tua is the truth or not, and if that's who they're going to build around or not. 
um, and they have those weapons, but it's not like those weapons are going to go away in a year. So, um, you know, Tom Brady could easily be talked to coming over or insert. They have enough draft capital, even still in future years to uh, mortgage their future and package their, their uh, current draft capital to, to acquire another quarterback. Um, so I, I completely agree with Ryan was talking about just from a schematic standpoint, coming from that San Francisco, you know, uh, Kyle Shanahan coaching tree where, uh, you know, there is no normal, you know, it's kind of, we look at everything based on who we have and, and building around that. And in between Waddle and, and, and I don't think people realize how good of a year, uh, Waddle had last year. Uh, and then, you know, just bringing in Tyree kill. I mean, it, it, there's only one Tyree kill. So, um, yeah, I definitely love the, the flux, kind of like we talked about previously, where um, flux is where you can have, obviously, a lot of good, but you can have a lot of bad. Um, but from an investing point of view, that we want that. Yeah, to be clear on Tua, there's definitely a floor here. And you're right. They may move on. That's one of the things I like about this deal with Tyreek, too, is next year, if Tua doesn't work out, they can go all in on, on a new quarterback and still have, like, a foundation for a very dangerous team. So I'm with you all the way there. Yeah, it's interesting as you guys talk about that. It also makes almost makes me think that Jalen Waddle might be the buy here if I'm targeting a particular player because, you know, Tyreek's going to take so much of the focus off of him offensively. You're clearly going to sell out to, to stop Tyreek at least early in the season, despite how good a year Waddle had last year. And, you know, it opens up a lot of uh, a lot of defensive focus or relieves a lot of defensive pressure on Waddle. Um, obviously this could elevate Tua, but we think that there's potentially some risk to, you know, him not ever hitting a ceiling and really, really doing, uh, doing anything. So I'm, I'm pretty interested in the idea of, uh, of buying Waddle, um, obviously, especially last year's moments or rookie year as well. So that there's some value there. Yeah, Absolutely. I like that. He, he really impressed me last year, Waddle, especially I was not expecting them to be like a, a low a dot target at times i figured he'd be more of a you know a deep threat in year one like a traditional one so him getting the volume that he got in year one was one of the bigger surprises for me last year so i think that's interesting and, and it's kind of a uh, kind of a lazy comp but you know coming from san francisco the way they used debo last year you know maybe you have waddle a lot out of the backfield things of that nature and tyreek i mean it's just gonna be exciting to see both of them on the field at the same time yeah, speaking of another guy who could see a pretty material shift in value, I mean, Debo's requesting a trade. Well, is it going to happen? I mean, it, it, it's un, it's uncommon for big name players to request trades and not get them at this point because you know, they'll just hold out. But what do you guys think? It seems like the NFL's become the NBA a little bit in that regard with player player mobility. So I have a sneaky. I don't I don't know if the money matches up, but I think if he went to New England, that would be pretty interesting. Because they need an alpha receiver. Mac Jones gets through his progressions real well. They New England would also use him as a running back, but not as a runner, as a pass catcher potentially. So I think that's sneaky interesting if he were to go there. Yeah, I, I have no insight, but I mean, that's the first I've connected dots with that, but that, that makes total sense. But, you know, we could, we could have a whole podcast on that. I mean, there's so many different directions it could go. I mean, that but that's been, you know, 2022 offseason. So wouldn't sh nothing would shock me. Yeah, it's certainly been a wild one. And I mean, I think Debo moving would, again, open up a ton of potential value, both for, you know, as we talked about with Top Shot last year, both with, you know, Debo in a new situation. Hard to imagine him doing a whole lot better than he did last year. I mean, he was just so dominant at times. But continuing that in a new uniform and maybe in a kind of bigger market, San Francisco, 
certainly a big market, but not the biggest markets that you might find for the NFL. Uh, but if he were to move on, I mean, you know, what what happens to San Francisco at that point? They've always wanted to be run focused and they kind of use Debo as a runner. But like if if Debo does leave, obviously we don't know what kind of compensation they might get for him. But is there anyone you might think about focusing on on the current San Francisco roster as, hey, this opens up some opportunity for this person to elevate into that alpha status as an offensive weapon? I mean, I've it, it should be George Kittle, but we've all been kind of waiting for that to happen for a while now. So, and Brandon Ayuk at least has some similar skill traits to Debo Samuel. It's not we're not talking apples to apples here, but he's a, he's a good like you know you give him a you give him a wide receiver screen, he can break some tackles. He's pretty good in traffic, but yeah, I mean, I'd probably lean towards Kittle in that scenario. Yeah, and if you remember, Ayuk was sometimes getting drafted ahead of. Samuel, you know, this time last year. So um, you, you never want to, you know, just say apples to apples or it's easy as that. But, um, you know, for me, the coach speak and, and there's so much smoke screen. That's what I love about the draft is, you know, you could say all you want, but when you use your draft capital on somebody that that really tells you more than anything else. So, you know, if we see San Francisco go wide receiver early, um, obviously that's going to lead to Samuel probably being shipped out more than if they don't take anybody, you know, first day, second day at the wide receiver, or even, you know, that, that hybrid wide receiver running back position, then I think Debo's going to be staying. Yeah. I probably got burned on uh, I a little bit too many, a few too many times uh, last year to, to really be buying the, the potential ascension to alpha status. If, uh, if Debo does leave, I, I agree. I think it'll be, uh, the draft or even free agency next year that we would see him start to uh, start to emerge. But, you know, you never know. That's the beauty of it. Last year at this time, we would not have been talking about Debo as this, you know, potential game-changing wide receiver. Uh, we wouldn't have been talking about Cooper Cup that way either. So uh, we'll learn a lot this year. Definitely, those are the opportunities to take bets on players who haven't proved it yet, but have the potential role, the opportunity the offensive focus. And so I think that's where, you know, as I'm, as I'm thinking about, you know, speculative player investment, Ryan, as you talked a lot about earlier, taking shots on guys who have disproportionate role versus what the public might think about them having, or they've had previously is, is a place where I think there's opportunity and you're going to have misses. Uh, but the, the big hits definitely outweigh the misses. Uh, if you, if you hit it big. Especially if it's that quarterback in that regard. Yeah. If you hit the right quarterback, you're I bought my first car with the proceeds of Aaron Rodgers rookie card. So there's there can be a there can be fun if you get the right guy at the right time. Can can we talk about uh 49ers of potential without mentioning Trey Lance? I mean, I'm I'm a big uh reader of Ryan's stuff and I mean I'm with him all the way with with Trey Lance's upside. And you you might not be able to get him at such a low uh, relative low price right now. So um yeah. San Francisco is just very intriguing to me. I, I just, with the play calling and the talent they have, the offensive line, I, I could see them, especially the weak NFC, relative weak NFC. I, I could see them doing some serious things next year. Yeah. Completely aligned on all that for sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people buying the hype on Lance after what we, you know, all, all that we heard in the off season, but at the end of the day, hasn't shown it yet. And if he starts to show it, that's when the price is really going to skyrocket. So I think still an opportunity to get ahead of that if you're a believer in Trey Lance. Um, yeah. 
I, I just wanted to, I just I just wanted to mention before you moved to this year's draft stuff. I mean, he he played one year at North Dakota State, and and then he played one game in the second his sophomore year. So I mean, he's still 21 years old. So I, I mean, I'm I'm willing to die on the the Trey Lance Hill. I mean, it's just you know the, what's the saying around the the you know fantasy sports betting community. You know, what do you get if you win? And, and if stars align with Trey Lance, I mean, you're looking at a, a Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes type talent. Yeah. Another guy who uh, I died on that hill last year in, uh, in best ball drafts. So uh, I might not be quite as bullish on him. I'm just, I'm just hurt. Really. My feelings are still hurt, uh, but no, it, it'll be awesome. You know, I think uh, last thing I just want to talk about in terms of off season value changes, you, you wrote up in your article, Ryan, about Devonte Adams, obviously like of all the moves we saw this off season, that one might be the most surprising given the the whole Rogers saga going back to Green Bay, kind of, you know, I won't say unexpectedly, but certainly there was some drama around, was he going to retire? Was he going to demand a trade after last offseason? Kind of a non-event and then boom, out of nowhere, Adams is gone. Uh, what, what do you think his prospects are? I know you still seem high on him, uh, but like what's your kind of, can he do it without, without Rogers? Can he do it with, uh, with Derek Carr, I think he'll be fine. I mean, he's a he's what a twenty nine year old guy. I think a twenty nine year old rich guy wanting to move to Las Vegas and work in Las Vegas that makes sense to me, you know. But uh, <laughs> from from a football standpoint, Hunter Renfro is not exactly the guy that you can't take some of his workload away. You know what I mean? So, but he had a hundred. I think he had a hundred receptions last year. So he's going to have to, for Adams to really excel there, either Carr's going to have to beat his 4,800 yards in the air, which, you know, is possible. He he really, truly impressed me last year, Carr. He did. Or he's going to have to start taking work off other players' plate. And how that evens out, I'm not exactly sure. But with Adams in particular, I think his yardage might be okay. His touchdowns are probably going down, though, at, at minimum. And and just to add on that, Devontae's the one I was I'm kind of the most puzzled by. I mean, I don't know how this translates in the card market. I don't have the experience Ryan does with that, but I just see the Raiders having a hard time being successful in that division. Um, I I think Devontae's going to get his wide receiver one numbers. If we're, if we're looking at fantasy wise, but how does that really turn in terms of valuations for something like uh, you know an NFT if you know they they go eight and nine or, or seven and ten, you know maybe make the, the playoffs one time in the next three years. Um, it, it, I don't have the answer. It's just to me, I'm, I'm the most puzzled by that. So that was one one you know, I'm reading the article and I'm saying that makes sense, but I don't have a strong conviction one way or the other about it. I like that. One thing I talk about a lot is decision points, meaning if you buy an athlete's you know card, their NFT, whatever it is, where are the points where you can offload at a greater value? And I do absolutely agree with you. I think this is probably the peak for Devontae Adams, unless he gets to the Hall of Fame. Because while the Raiders are probably going to be competitive, they are that division is an absolute mess. It really is. I mean, if if the Raiders were in the NFC East, I think they could win the NFC East, but they are not. So you're right. If they're nine and eight, eight and nine, ten and seven the next three years, and he's just fine, it becomes a, men- a matter of who cares with Devontae Adams. He's going to be. I'm not. I don't want to use the word forgotten. But it's, in terms of collectible value, it might veer towards that direction. So I think that's all very sharp. Is he on track for the Hall of Fame? I know we we wrote up in the player tiers we had him as a potential, but you know the more I look at the numbers, the more I think like 
He's been absolutely great with a all-time great quarterback throwing the ball to him. But he's only had a couple seasons of those great numbers. And I, I don't know if he's on tra- if like I don't know how firmly he's on track now that he's not with Rodgers. I, I think a good I, I agree. I, I don't think he's going to get in. Because if you look at like Reggie Wayne's stats, for instance, who I would say is similar to Devontae Adams, more like a, a, a big body technician, more than like a great athlete or a superior athlete. He had great numbers with Peyton Manning, but if he went somewhere else, I think that's what we're looking at here. And Rodgers is, I think Rodgers is the best quarterback of all time, just in terms of his ability to elevate talent. He's, you know, he's absolutely insane, some of the things this man does. So there's going to be a drop-off. And, yeah, I mean, unless he does, like, 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns over the next three years, I think he's going to have a real, real hard time getting in. And and he'll have that opportunity. I think, like what Ryan said, for me, I, I, I try not to even overthink it. It's just – you know, I think of Devontae Adams, I immediately think of Aaron Rodgers. And now he's going to get his chance with the Raiders to show, is it really him? Um, you know, if I had a bet on it, I would say no. But he's going to have his opportunity. Um, but, wow, Ryan just dropping the uh, best quarterback of all time. I mean, it's really hard to, to, to argue that. But just when, when I hear somebody like Ryan say that, it's, that's, that's no small claim. I think it's a three. I think it's a three-horse race. I think Brady's obviously – like when people say Brady to me, I don't even argue with him. Peyton Manning's in the argument. But I think if you started an expansion team, Rodgers would be the best equipped to do something with them. Where if Tom Brady doesn't have a premium offensive line, he's not going to be able to do some of the things that he does. Man. All right. Well, I'm going to put us back on the rails before we get into a greatest quarterback of all time debate. Uh, because we could we could talk about that for uh, for a long time. Uh, but certainly think, yeah, I mean, and, you know, we didn't even touch on the opportunity in Green Bay. I think similar to what we saw in Kansas City, the alpha wide receivers gone. Somebody's going to have to step up there. And, you know, I think that if you can identify who that guy is, who spends the next two or three seasons catching a thousand yards and eight touchdowns from Rodgers, you're going to be uh, you're going to you're going to hit big if you make a, if, you, if you make the right uh, speculative investment there. So I think there's a lot of opportunity just in, in these uncertain situations, uh, you know, where where is there uncertainty that we can capitalize on? I think that's exactly, Ryan, what your article starts to touch on. Uh, let's pivot to kind of the next phase of uncertainty, which is the draft this week uh, or next week. Um, what are the things that you guys have your eyes on? Uh, Jay, I'll start with you. Like, wh- you know, what are the situations you have your eyes on for the NFL draft and, and kind of in general and then in particular to how it might affect the all-day market? Yeah, so I'm coming from it from a, a fantasy and a betting uh, side. So there's obviously that that huge vacuum uh, with the Packers and the Chiefs at their wide receiving positions. So obviously, even though they're picking later in the draft, um, they're both equipped now with the capital to move up if they would like to. Or I think they'll be sitting pretty to get some some really good talent in the late first round if they go there, even if the early second round. So um, it's just one of those weird drafts where you're going to have. Uh, I could see easily the Jets taking or the Falcons taking a wide receiver at eight or 10 um, and those not being the top rookie wide receivers that we're looking for uh, in terms of production, just because of, you know, the the opportunity that they're going to. Um, So this is just, it's a wide open draft to, to, you know, look at that way, but just huge opportunities when you're looking, you're talking about 
uh, Aaron Rodgers, who, who some say is the greatest quarterback of all time, uh, you know, his, his number one quarterback or excuse me, number one uh, option could be available. Patrick Mahomes, obviously a fairly def- decent quarterback as well. You know, his number one target could come out of this draft. Uh, some great talents. Drake London could could really do something maybe alongside Kyle Pitts or maybe the Jets if, if Zach Wilson were to connect dots. So, I mean, there's just so many different directions. Um, the only thing about the draft I would mention, and like I said, I think this is just coming from a, a fantasy perspective, especially a, a newly dynasty perspective, is um, just just grade out the players before they get placed somewhere because um, we've had months upon months of kind of uh, grading them and assessing them in a vacuum. And then everyone's just going to attach the opportunity to them. So, you know, I, I'm not dropping anything that that your average person doesn't know about in terms of the the, the Packers and the Chiefs having huge volume. Uh, but, you know, for maybe you just have a really good wide receiver that goes to maybe not so good uh, of a situation, but maybe a good quarterback comes in a year or two. I, for me, it feels like the Eagles, right? So um, they have the draft capital and they have a placeholder right now with Jalen Hurts, so they don't have to force anything, but – Maybe next year they do and make a huge trade for a great quarterback. And they let's say they have obviously, uh, uh, you know, Devontae Smith already there and, and potentially a wide receiver they take this year. Um, they make a huge jump. So um, I, I just would, would caution grade your rookies now uh, because you're going to see tons of articles about, oh, a great fit here and, and connecting dots too simply. And the example I use is two years ago and, and running backs is way different, especially in the modern NFL. But, uh, you know, they kind of had, uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor, uh, DeAndre Swift, and, and CEH were kind of neck and neck, probably Taylor and Swift at, at the top. Then once CEH went to Kansas City, everyone hopped on CEH, including myself, that, and it really hasn't panned out. So there's just so much speculation that you're kind of parlaying the speculation. So, um, and like that you, yeah, and you're kind of, you're kind of, you know, paying a premium for that. Whereas if you remember going into the draft, Swift was kind of Swift and Taylor were kind of neck and neck. And now you kind of look at the running back position. Taylor is clearly number one, obviously in a more traditional running uh, heavy offense Swift for his receiving talent and CH is kind of in a, in a muddy, uh, you know, three horse, maybe four horse backfield. So that's oversimplifying, but um, I, that's how I would look at it. I mean, I, I'm super excited. I love the NFL draft. Um, and, and, and there's just so many different routes, uh, you know, things could go. To that point, uh, I'm very interested to see where Jamison Williams goes because he's going to sit out. To me, if he was healthy, he's the standalone wide receiver one in this draft. And I don't really think this draft has a first overall pick where I think Jacksonville could legitimately consider taking him if he was fine, just based on what's out there. He's um, Speed's great, but when you can get to your top speed instantly – those guys don't grow on trees, and he's one of them. So if he goes somewhere like, say, Detroit, I don't know. Or Atlanta's a better one because that's probably more realistic. If he goes to Atlanta, I'm not sure I care so much because who's throwing him the ball. But if he ends up in, say, Kansas City, I mean, everyone's going to be on that. If he ends up in, say, the Chargers at pick 17, that would be very exciting. So that's one where there might be a crater with his collectibles because he's not playing where I'd jump on him. Um, I'm also interested where Malik Willis goes. If, say, he goes to Carolina, I don't care, really, because I think that whole coaching staff is getting fired after this year. But if he goes to Pittsburgh, I'm, I'm very – I hope he sits for the whole year, and I'm going to – I like him more than most people do. I don't think he's safe, but his ceiling is interesting. Yeah, and it's a really interesting kind of perspective of – obviously, people are going to jump on the 
stars filling the obvious holes. The the number one wide receiver going to Kansas City, the number one wide receiver going to Green Bay. And by the time that we get those moments, that's already going to be priced into those moments. And so uh, as we think about, you know, the next level of, uh, of, of strategy here, it's really, hey, the guys who you won't see pop in week one or week two or week five, but have the, the, the best long-term upside. And I thought your CEH example was great, Jay. I clearly remember a ton of uh, CEH in uh, best ball and everything uh, two years ago. And, you know, obviously that didn't pan out from a, like that year, but also just from a long-term perspective, despite being the talent in the great offense, he's not the guy who you're talking about as potential offensive player of the year, like Jonathan Taylor is. So I do love that uh, that perspective, and Trey Lance is a great archetype for that in last year's draft, where despite being in a, a high pick, didn't do much, and you know, late in the year last year, you might have been able to get him at a premium, but his long-term trajectory shouldn't really look any different than it did going into the draft. Yeah, and I liked Ryan naming some prospects there, and, and someone like George Pickens, too, and I'm talking about guys who just upside and um, maybe even buying the fact they have a bad rookie year one, or maybe they're in a bad situation, but just look at all this off season, you know, the changes that we have, I, I, I you can't project that for next off season, but it, there's more likely that it's going to be closer to this past off season than, than previous off season. So it's something that might look like a bad situation now, like something I'm looking at, like maybe the New York giants, uh, the Eagles we talked about, we could be talking about this time next year as a, a maybe not a great situation, but at least a better situation. Um, so just kind of having that mindful, uh, like you're saying, everyone's going to go after the Chiefs and, and Packers people. And, and of course, if we pull one of those, we're going to be very happy. But in terms of, you know, if you're watching this stream, if you're if you're digging this deep, I'm um, trying to think of a more of a two, three, five year uh, you know, trajectory for things. As a Giants fan, I would just like next Thursday to not be ruined for me. That's, that's something that I would really – I think I deserve it. I think we all deserve it at this point. I had to live through <laughs> – What Dave does that Gettleman. look like? I mean, they take one of the corners, that's fine. They take an edge rusher, there's a few of them that are there, that's fine. You know, Offensive tackle, that's fine. I think that's what's in play here. And I probably want them to trade back is what I probably want them to do. Yeah, go get Can a quarterback. Can I interest you in a running back? I mean, with Saquon, I think what I would try to do, and this is assuming that they're not going to be an ultra-competitive team this year, is I would try to – I don't want to use the word feed him because that's a little cliche, but I would try to I would try to showcase him in a way where he has value at the trade deadline and try to move on from him so you don't have to pay him. That's probably what I would do. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, if they took someone like – if they took Isaiah Spiller in the third round, I think that would be an interesting – long-term let's buy this guy for free and let's see what happens no first round running back for you though no i i'm i'm done uh <laughs> oh, yeah nightmares pick two start a rebuild with a running back i'm gonna stop now because i'm gonna that was I not will, a good day well to make you feel any better i'm a i'm a i was a washington redskin fan growing up so at least you have your name and whatnot but uh no i mean with brian dable i it's just one of those things where if if it connects, you can see the weaponry and whatnot. But I, I'm not gonna, you know, I, I'm not gonna beat you while you're down. I know the Giants, especially for their standards, have had a rough few years. But it trust me, come four hours south, it's it's worse down here. <laughs> I believe you. At least the Giants have a plan now. I can live with that. I'm good with that. Excited actually for the first time in a while. 
What's the what's the one player each of you guys? I know you 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 both mentioned someone, so give me one more name that you think you know might go a little bit under the radar in this draft, but someone who you're going to be keeping a close eye on for their their career, and that you know our listeners might be interested in keeping an eye on for kind of all day. For me, I like Karloftis, the defensive end from Purdue. Um, I assume he's going to end up in Philly, so I have to watch him torment my quarterbacks for the next decade. But he's a guy where I think he's closer to the top guys than other people do. So he's a guy I have my eye on. Uh, I'm going to rep uh, ASU. I went to Arizona State. So Rashad White, I think, is uh, is definitely a kind of a boom bust. He's got great receiving skills for running back. And the way the, the NFL is heading, if he were to just to be – somewhat capable to spell the early downs and he gets put in the right scenario. He could do some, uh, some work on passing downs as a, as a running back. Awesome. Well, uh, we'll, we'll close with, uh, with one question in the spirit of our game, you know, so that we're going to have a TOC contest uh, for each of the 32 teams uh, for each of the 32 picks in the first round, pick what position is drafted. Uh, There'll be prizes similar to uh, all of our other TOC contests. Details will be on the site, um, but in the spirit of kind of predicting, uh, first first quarterback to go, uh, Ryan, who is it? I think it will be Malik Willis. Jay, I agree. You got to go with upside. Yeah, I've seen I've seen a lot of talk about like Ritter getting steamed recently. I mean, I don't know. It just seems so so far fetched. But uh, some of that might just be at the odds they were people were betting him at. So. I hope Ritter goes first as the first quarterback taken so I can bet on him against him this year is what I hope for. <laughs> awesome. Well, appreciate uh, appreciate it, guys. Any last thoughts uh, ahead of tomorrow's drop? Well, right. I mean, I, I'm very interested to see what NFL Day does moving into season two. Um, very interested. Definitely looking forward to the owners club on a variety of fronts. Best ball, I mean, I'm – I already have, but I'm planning to do around 250 best ball drafts. So adding this to the collection is, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I am. And you guys might be in trouble with this, with this mock draft contest you're coming up with. I, eh, I'm not going to call, I'm not going to call my shot here, but I'm going to, I'm going to be entering that one. I'm entering the fray. Thoughts and prayers to everyone going against Ryan Reynolds, anything to do with the NFL. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, um, on that blog post last night, NFL all day did say there'd be some more updates as we get close to the draft. So I think all football fans are just super stoked to have uh, not necessarily football, but at least being able to talk some new things about football uh, coming up. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, you know, we've got a big week coming up. We've got the TOC 101 NFT. So reminder to everyone, keep an eye on the OTM website. Uh, those will be up here uh, sometime early next week. Uh, NFL draft contest. Make sure you enter that. And then a season of best ball coming up starting in July. So, you know, the, the best part about our best ball game is you don't really have to do any prep. You don't know what you're going to do until you open that pack. But once you do, lots of strategy discussion. So stay tuned in with us. We'll have Jay, we'll have Ryan back uh, a bunch leading into the offseason ahead of the best ball season and, and certainly for TOC season two. So for Jay, for Ryan, for the rest of the OTM team, I'm Bach. Good night, guys.